0: I've taught this class for about eight years. It took me eight years to discover the joy of a sip of water <laughs> before starting. Thanks to my guardian angel, it's so always here for Just one word of personal privilege. My son graduated from high school. What a joy it was for the whole family. He got his invitations and as he sat down to invite members of the family and close friends, we talked about the Sunday school class. You are our family. You're as much our family as any family we have. (coughs) We didn't have enough invitations to go to every one of you singly. Didn't want to leave anyone out. So I suggested to Brad that he just address one card to the entire class with everyone hopefully knowing that it was a personal invitation to each one of you. Your response was overwhelming. The number of cards that you left for him, the generosity of your giving that will go a long way toward priming him for college, and especially the kind words that you wrote on the cards, words of encouragement and expressions of pride You don't know what that meant to a father to have this kind of expression for his son. He thanked you last week that I couldn't let the occasion go by without having my own word as a parent. The joy that I have received in the kind of love and support that you have shown bread. When I get to heaven, Saint Peter's going to say, Vance, You've got members here from all the churches you ever served. Which group do you want to be your spiritual support group? I'll say, point me to the Virgil Anderson clan. If I have a spiritual support through eternity, you're the ones I want to spend with. You're (laughs) okay. I didn't get that, but
1: I'm not sure I won't be That's a good
0: one. Some of your early congregations were probably smaller than this one. Goodness, yes. Listen, there are many churches in the Johnson City District that would be overwhelmed if they had a congregation of this size this morning. The joy that you give me and letting me be your teacher is overwhelming. I hope that comment was, are you sure you're coming to the same place we are? (laughs) 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 We begin a new unit today, the life and teachings of Jesus. The lesson prescribed for our study today has to do with baptism. The scripture for the basis for our lesson comes from the book of Mark, and Mark begins his book with these words. This is the beginning of the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his message for man. What a promise to be laid out from which to move out into the book and to study these revelations through Christ. Our lesson today centers on baptism, which has many symbolic expressions for the lesson, but in reality it begins way back in the Old Testament. When Elijah lived in the wilderness and went about in a cloak made of animal hair and a leather thrown about his waist, living upon the land. And the prophecy that accompanied his life being that when the Messiah came, Elijah would come out of the wilderness and announce his coming. This had been many centuries of waiting. There were many references in the Old Testament of the time when the Messiah came and a forerunner to that Messiah. And so the introduction that is allowed us by Mark is to first become acquainted with the one who is going to make the great announcement that history has been waiting for. John, cousin to Jesus, less than six months difference in their ages, born in villages that could almost be found by the throwing of a stone Yet, if there was any closeness in their growing up years, we're not told about it. We get the impression that we, the two aren't even acquainted with one another, even though historical evidence shows that they are first cousins. But John has led a life entirely different from the life that Jesus lived. He has spent years in the wilderness and the set Jesus was not an ascetic. Jesus lived a normal life in the village of Nazareth, playing with his friends, socializing, all of the normal things that one goes through in coming out of childhood. But John was different. John's father and mother were old at the time of his birth. Chances are they died while he was still a young man. And what is to be done with a young man who is left an orphan in such a time, one plausible explanation would be that the Qumran community adopted him. Now, I make that association because the Qumran community was in the wilderness. It was an ascetic community. It was a community in which marriage did not take place. It was a celibate community, and therefore the growth of the community came about by the adoption of children into the community. And John, living in the proximity, being left without parents, being ordained by God from the very beginning to be the forerunner of the Messiah, what better place for his own training than in a spiritual community like the Kumar community? (coughs) Now, the Qumran community was made up of Jews who at the time of the Hellenization of their culture and the breaking down of their strict spiritual laws left the community, went out into the wilderness, established a community of their own. They would be a remnant that would preserve all that was good in Judaism so that when the Messiah came, there would be a remnant to which he could come. They had rules of behavior in life that were most demanding, far more than the normal Jewish community. And it was a logical place for a young man's mind to grow and to grasp and to get a spiritual foundation by which he could come out of the wilderness and introduce the Messiah. That is fact, that's conjecture, but I hold closely to that possibility because there are so many similarities here that would allow for this to be a part of the life of John the Baptist. He came out with a new ritual to perform. He came out with the ritual of cleansing. (coughs) That too could easily have come from the Qumran community. Throughout all of the Old Testament, throughout all religions, there is a strong emphasis upon cleansing. There's something about water cleansing that is spiritual. You've been out working in your yard, mowing, pruning the bushes, whatever you may be doing. Hot day like today is going to be, muggy. You come in at the end of the day and you are dirty, you're sweating, you just feel so terrible and then you drop into a tub of water, a shower, wash your body with clean, cool water. When you come out, you feel like a new person. There's a psychological effect that comes from being washed. Even though it's just a physical manifestation, it has a spiritual overtone in that you just feel good. You feel clean about being washed. And the Jews learned of this early. And there were ritual washings throughout all of the Jewish ceremonies. If you go to a Passover meal in a Jewish home, there is ritual washing of at least four or five times in the course of the meal, because ritual washing is so much a part of the religion. Now baptism is unheard of in the Old Testament as a practice. It isn't mentioned in any way in the scriptures except the fact that it was carried out in one sense if a Gentile, <clears throat> if a Gentile were to become a, a Jew he went through three events before he was eventually declared a Jew the first of these he was to be circumcised that was necessary for anyone who was to be a Jew that was a ritual through which all little Jewish boys went at the beginning of life. It marked them as part of the Jewish world. Sacrifice was very important in the life of the Jewish people. The sacrificial animals were an evidence of this individual repenting of sin, asking for forgiveness, putting it behind, and going ahead. And then the third was the fact of baptism. This was symbolic of the change from the Gentile world to the Jewish world. So it was carried out every time that there was a proselyte from the Gentile world into the Jewish world. There was the ritual of baptism. In all probability it was immersion, although history doesn't declare what manner. But it would be more symbolic if one were totally submerged in water to give an indication of cleansing which comes with the proselyting of the Gentile into the Jewish world. John the Baptist was familiar with that. Not only that, but in the Qumran community, the excavation has shown various reservoirs in which people bathe. They didn't just bathe once as a ritual cleansing. Repeatedly throughout the day, more than once a day, there was that Ritual cleansing. And water was very important, symbolically, in the life of John the Baptist. When he came out of the wilderness, (coughs) baptizing at the River Jordan, he wasn't proselyting. He was baptizing Jews. Jews didn't need (coughs) proselytization. There was no need for Jews to be ritually cleansed in this manner. And his invitation to that baptism was, Repent. Repent of your sins. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I will baptize you with water, which is symbolic of your (coughs) your repentance. But there is one who will follow me, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. My baptism is water his baptism will be the Holy Spirit. And so John came out of the wilderness and <coughs> came to the River Jordan, and there the Jews gathered. He called them to repentance. They repented. He baptized them in preparation for the coming of the one who would baptize them with fire and the Holy Spirit. Now, he was surprised one day when a young man came up, a man 30 years old. Wanting to be baptized. And what was so different in this incident was that this young man was his cousin. To whom had been revealed to John, this is the Messiah. John announced it to those about. Behold the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. He turned to this young man and he said, why should I baptize you? You should be baptizing me. It was an encounter of the baptism of John with the Messiah who would baptize with the Spirit. Why did Jesus allow himself to be baptized? How many times that has been debated in theological journals? How many times that has been asked in gatherings where the life and ministry of Jesus is examined? Why would Jesus be baptized by John? Because John was issuing this invitation, repent, be cleansed, be ready for the Messiah. This was to absolve them of the sins for which they had offered repentance for and a a symbol of the cleanliness of their lives, having been forgiven their sins. Jesus had never seen. John's baptism was a baptism of sins. Anybody want to guess why Jesus allowed himself to be baptized? Before I tell you. Well, one thing, it was a moment of decision for Jesus. For 30 years he had lived a normal life of a carpenter in Nazareth. The moment came into his life when he was to change the pattern of his living, he was to become a preacher, an itinerant preacher, going from place to place over the land, proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The the message of Jesus was primarily the message of John the Baptist kingdom of heaven is at hand. When you analyze the preaching of Jesus, many times we're caught up in certain segments that particularly appeal to us, but by and large, the preaching of Jesus was simply this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Things are not as they were. One doesn't just simply walk out into the world and assume a role as dramatically different as his one was. We inaugurate the president of the United States and that is symbolic of the fact he has now taken the reins of office from this moment on, he is occupying a new position. When ministers come out of seminary, there is an ordination and the bishop lays his hand upon his head and says, now go forth and preach. (coughs) This was a moment of decision for Jesus. This would be the event That catapulted him into the ministry that he had come into the world to do. Many theologians believe that Jesus was adopted by God in that moment. That he was born (coughs) natural birth, he lived a natural life. He became the Son of God by adoption in his baptism. One of the greatest preachers of this century, Harry Emerson Fosdick, subscribed to that aspect of the divinity of Christ. I don't, just for your information. I firmly believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, sired by God, out of which he became totally man and totally God, and was able then to carry on the ministry that he did. But there are many who subscribe to the idea that the baptism was the adoption of Jesus by God. Whatever the attitude that you might assume for yourself, this was the moment of transition. It was the decision that Jesus made. I will no longer be a carpenter. Now I will proclaim the good news. Why was Jesus baptized when everyone who was being baptized around him were sinners? Jesus needed to identify himself with the people He came to Greece. They were sinners. He identified himself by going through the prescribed ritual that had been designed for them. It was a matter of identification. You can't help someone by standing at a distance. Mother Teresa could have headed her order seated in Rome, issuing orders, sending money, driving that Lincoln Continental that the Pope David, <coughs> she wouldn't be the sign for sainthood. She would not have made the impact upon Indian society. She, coming from a middle-class family, opportunities for comfortable living, turned her back on every bit of it, went into the slums of India and lived with the people, identified with them, became one of them thereby she was able to do what she was able to do Jesus identified himself with sinners he went into the house of sinners and the Jewish perfectionist said you are defiling our faith you're defiling yourself going into the homes of sinners but these are the ones to whom he wanted to be by whom he wanted to be received to whom he could identify himself the sinners and this was the baptism, I have done it, now you do. It was a moment of God's approval. (coughs) All of this could have taken place, and it had been no more than a drama enacted by human beings. (coughs) Something happened when Jesus was baptized that didn't happen to anyone else. When he came up out of the water, there was a dove circling his head, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And the dove descended upon him as the Holy Spirit. And a voice was heard. You are my beloved Son. Is Jesus the Son of God? As God Himself. He spoke there on the banks of the Jordan River at the moment of the baptism of Jesus he said you are my son and I am well pleased. Charles Lehman is a dear friend of mine and I have quoted from him and about him many times why not he's such a repository of truth and understanding Charles took a group to the Holy Land And he said that he was standing by the river and had said to the group, in all probability, this is the very spot that Jesus baptized, that Jesus was baptized. And one of the women came up to him and whispered in his ear, Could I be baptized when Jesus was baptized? And he said, Well, you cannot be baptized twice baptism is a one-time event. But I'd be glad to go through the ritual so you'll have a memory of having been baptized for Jesus He said, we walked out into the water and I baptized him. And suddenly there was a sigh from the crowd and we looked up and there was a dove. Okay. So moving that he said, every member of that group demanded that they be baptized with God said, this is my son. And then the fourth thing that took place in the baptism of Jesus, he was tested to see whether or not he could carry out the responsibilities that God had put upon his shoulders. Jesus' ministry was lived out as a human being. He was not a God walking among men. He got tired. He got hungry. He was disappointed. He hurt, just like any one of us. And he was not bound by determined faith to do anything by God. Everything that Jesus did had to be done by his own volition, or it would not have meant anything at all. If Jesus died because he couldn't help it, then we wouldn't praise him for dying. But he said before he died, you are not taking my life from me. I am giving it to you. He even prayed in the garden, would you change your mind so that I don't have to go through with this? He was asking God to change his mind. He wasn't about to change his own. But he didn't want to suffer just like we wouldn't want to suffer. Jesus had free will. He did not operate from the standpoint of a mechanized unit put into the world to carry out certain things that God had programmed him to do. God had to be sure that he would stand up to the task. And so he put him to the test. Had he failed the test, he would not have gone into the world to be God's Messiah. You know the testing of Jesus in the wilderness. Throw yourself off the temple. Change the stones into bread. Make it easy. Don't do the thing that would cause you to have to suffer. Show up. Be spectacular. Everybody would come running if you would jump off the temple and land on your feet without being hurt. Then all say, well, surely this is a man I want to listen to. <coughs> if you'll feed everybody by turning stones into bread, you can't drive the people away here I'm afraid that the modern church wouldn't survive the test in the wilderness. I'm afraid that the modern church is more intent on selling itself than its message. I'm afraid we're jumping off temples. I'm afraid we're turning stones into bread in order to attract people rather than the message. Christ brought into the world I see that happening throughout the church and it distresses me greatly it is the gospel message of Jesus Christ that needs to be heard in a hurting world and not spectacular events to make us feel good Jesus resisted that he passed every test that Satan before And the adversary that was tempting him was the same adversary that tempts us. And Jesus survived the temptation. Only then was he given the sign of (coughs) approval. Only then did the angels come and minister to him. And he came out of the wilderness into the world to share the good news. God has come to save us. You know, I had a lot more to say. I just got started. Well, we had our cows run out. Well, we can, we can probably spare another five minutes. No, you go ahead and read your lesson. I won't save it for next week because we'll go on from there. But are there any comments or questions on today? It's fantastic, this lesson with which we are catapulted into the book of Mark and the life of Jesus. And baptism is one of the most formidable things in the New Testament having to do with the Christian church. We're divided more on the meaning of baptism than any other single thing. Our interpretation of baptism is so varied even among us here. And there's nothing that is conclusive I wish it would rule out other possibilities. But we, as the Methodist church, have adopted my consensus through our founder and through experience that baptism is symbolic of the surrendered life. There is no magic in the water. (coughs) Uh, An evangelist of another denomination came to my hometown when I was a boy, and he said, you go down a sinner and you come up a sinner. Well, Brad was baptized by a bishop with water from the River George. He's well ahead of me. <laughs> our, our writer says, remember your baptism. And you know, I don't remember a thing about my baptism. <laughs> I was about 11 years old, and I wanted to be a member of the church. And my mother told me what I needed to do. And so I ministered. Baptized me. I don't know if I took any vows, I'm sure I did. He wasn't an ordained minister and it has bothered me. I know that lay people can baptize, it just gives them that privilege, but I wanted to be baptized by an ordained person. And when Carlene and I went to Nashville to receive training on the, the Methodist hymnal when it was first published that we could be, that we could train the churches of the conference, we went through the ritual of baptism, and part of it was to come down and symbolize our baptism. And I baptized myself. I was ordained,
1: <laughs> and I really smelled water.
0: <laughs> Jim directing the work. <laughs> <laughs> <haven't tried> <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, baptism is central to our faith. Because it is symbolic <clears throat> of that which has taken place on the inside. Well, are there any additional questions or comments you want to make?
1: Lance, on, the, on the subject of baptism, I'd like to repeat a story that the gentleman that's in the center picture over here I heard tell many times that a Methodist. Had a friend that belonged to another denomination, and the other denomination kept begging him to come and join their. And he said, "Well, if I come and join your church, said said I've already been baptized. Said, well, I have to be baptized again to join your church. And he said, "Oh, certainly. Said to join our church, you have to be baptized again. And he said, "Well, I said what if what if what if they just put me down about right here? Said would that be enough?" he said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, well, what if they just put me up right by here? I said, would that be a mess? He said, oh, no, no. so said, that's not right. He said, well, what about this little spot right up here? I said, what if it's still above the water? He said, oh, no. no." said, no, that, that's it. He said, well, that's what us methods please important that little spot right up here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let me hasten to say <laughs> People talk about the sprinkling methods. We do all three. It's your <laughs> choice. We'll pour the water, we'll sprinkle <laughs> the water, or we'll take you under. And I have baptized many, all three places. Right. 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 Yeah, yep. it used to be very popular <laughs> those
1: confirmation, that quite
0: And in all probability the early
1: baptism in the church
0: was my immersion. But that doesn't mean that uh, sprinkling is any less effective because there's no magic in the water. It is symbolic, and it is symbolized by the sprinkling of the water as well as the immersion. I think if I had my choice, I'd like to be immersed. I didn't have that choice. That's all I Because my belief is that it is symbolic, and if it is symbolic, the one is. And I'm taking up extra time. Thank you so much.